athletes, especially you endurance athletes out there, do you use training zones for your workouts? And if so, how are they structured? And if not, maybe you use an RPE scale to gauge your intensity level. Regardless, in this episode, number 34 of the Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast, Bob and I are talking about why it's important to understand your training zones and the intensity levels so that you can structure your fueling appropriately and get the most out of those sessions. So join us for this one. We're calling it Zone 3 Nutrition, which is that mysterious and confusing zone for some of us how we uh, need to fuel or fuel differently for all of the zones and effort levels so that we can be our best when it comes to our races and all of our athletic pursuits. Thanks so much for joining us listeners. Enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome to the Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast. I am here with my co-host, Dina. Of course, this is Bob Sebahar talking. Dina, how are we today? Doing great, Bob. It's good to see oh, you. It's good to see you how also. How are you doing? I am just fantastic. I mean, there's very seldom a day aside from, you know, a little bit of lack of sleep here and there and, you know, sometimes burning the candle at both ends. Uh, besides that, you know, if you're able to be outside, I've been riding my bike quite a bit, my my mountain bike. And, oh, nice. you know, there's something just very, oh, very spiritual about being on dirt on a bike and it's quiet and just, oh, I don't know. I've been spending a lot of time in the saddle, obviously. It sounds like it's going well for you, which it is, is amazing. It is going well. Yeah, I've been just, on dirt myself, but on feet, not on, on the bike. Feet, yes. Yeah. 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 Well, isn't Thank there something you. special just in being in nature and in dirt and just mm-hmm. being able to connect again? Mm-hmm. So yeah. long as we're not like tumbling into the dirt, right, we're like right. staying steady on feet or wheels. That's yeah, awesome. Exactly. Of, yeah. Being exactly. Yeah, thrown yeah. into the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> And sometimes you can help it. Sometimes you can't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, today is going to be a really interesting episode, right? Because we're going to talk about kind of a topic that I don't know. I don't want to say it bothers me, but it kind of does bother me. So I thought I would just want to chat with you a little bit about something um, near and dear to both of our hearts, but something that athletes are really questioning uh, in terms of should I, how do I, what is that? And Mm -hmm. that is what I affectionately call zone three nutrition. So no, this is not a supplement. This is not a new way of structuring your training or whatever. It is literally just um, kind of an opportunity to look at polarized training and then looking at where nutrition fits in. So this is kind of okay. be, going to be an interesting session today. Uh, Bob, okay. So I'm going to tag onto this right away and come up. You know, I'm, I'm just thinking of questions based on the two sentences you've said already that yeah. the listeners may have for clarification or just to set the stage. So you just mentioned polarized training. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if you could just start with providing some definition or some context around that. Yeah. Cause it kind of sounds scary, it? doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. And, and this is for really, I, I, you know, it's for every athlete, to be honest with you, like I, team sports, individual sports, endurance, strength, power. I find it more popular in the endurance world, but 
team sports still do it. They may not know that they do it, but their coaches and their strength coaches definitely do this um, to a certain extent, right? Uh, that said, it is more popular in the in the endurance world. So, and that's where kind of I'd like to tailor this conversation because we're hearing a lot about it. Polarized training is simply separating your training into kind of two different hats, if you will. One is very low intensity and one is very high intensity. So we have two hats, low intensity hat, high intensity hat. And we've heard a lot of things throughout the years. And in fact, Dina, just to let you know, and I don't have the stats on this, but you know, I've been coaching for over 25 years now and polarized training while never termed that we have been doing polarized training for probably, I mean, I don't know, at least a hundred years, but coaches just never knew what it was, right? Mm -hmm. So let me, okay. let me kind of start out by that because here's the thing, when we work with athletes, there, there are different zones and the zones are usually affiliated with different energy systems, the aerobic and anaerobic energy system. And as a coach, you put your coach's head on, we want to make sure that our athletes have that physiological adaptation for either aerobic energy system or anaerobic, depending on the race, the, the, the event, the sport that they're doing. And when we do that, we know that certain amount of training sessions should be done at lower intensity and some should be done at higher intensity. Mm -hmm. Now, <clears throat> the interesting part is this polarized training is kind of kind of sparked the fire again in recent years. And a lot of people refer to it as the 80-20 model, right? So 80% of the time training should be done at a very low intensity and 20% of the time should be done at a very high intensity, okay. but there's not a lot of middle ground there, right? Okay. So that's that's what athletes are subscribing to and coaches are subscribing to. But again, just so the listeners know, this is not new, right? Okay. It is, there's nothing new about polarized training because we've been doing it for decades upon decades. And so is the, the low versus high, is that determined by heart rate, power, pace? That's where, exactly so it. How do yep. That's a little bit tricky because some athletes do monitor those things mm -hmm. and others don't. And, and I know I've worked with athletes <clears throat> all across the board and some do have heart rate monitors or power measuring devices on yeah. their bicycles. Uh, some athletes just don't do a lot of technology. And so you have to kind of base it on rating a perceived exertion, whether you use the one to 10 scale, six to 20 scale, that's a little more subjective. Um, I actually, I love teaching athletes and for, for everyone that's listening, I love using the RPE scale, just the basic one to 10 scale, mm -hmm. because really the low intensity is numbers one through three. And then the high intensity is really, I mean, if you really want to break it down, it's nine and 10, right? So that I think is the easiest model to use. It's very subjective though. Um, and I only say it's the easiest to use because even athletes who do have a lot of technology, so have GPS watches, they have heart rate monitors, they have running power, they have cycling power, they've got all these gadgets, which is great. But I find that a lot of athletes don't know their baseline. So maybe it's their functional threshold power. Maybe it's their, their running power, 5k running power. Like they don't have right. maybe their threshold heart rates. Yeah. If they don't have that information, it's kind of hard to set the zones, right? Yeah. But if you use RPE, it's very easy if you go out on a run. If you can have a great conversation with a friend or running buddy or whoever, you're in a low intensity, right? Okay. I mean, that is pretty much low intensity. Whereas you know if you're in high intensity, Dean. I mean, that's that's where you want to feel. You feel like you're going to drop and puke and all that mm -hmm. stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that, so it's low or high. And then what's in this this middle? Because yeah. 
that's the interesting part, right? Yeah. So, and this is where I have problem with this because, and, and this is my, my short rant. Yes, we have two energy systems, aerobic and anaerobic energy system, but it's not always about training low or high, right? At sometimes an athlete will need to go in the middle and not just to get from low to high intensity, right? Not to just make that progression, but some athletes will actually need to train in the middle. And that is usually a tempo zone or affectionately called zone three, hence the name zone three nutrition. That's why we're talking about zone three nutrition today. So I will say this, the zone three, the tempo effort is usually what I refer to as the comfortably uncomfortable zone. So we usually, like if you're to go out for a run, you usually gravitate towards that zone three because it is comfortable but it's a little on the uncomfortable side because here's the thing that gets in our way of actually succeeding in most of our training. It's the thing that sits on top of your shoulders. It's your brain, right? Yeah. Because how many of us have an hour or 45 minutes or 30 minutes and we're like, oh, we have to maximize this time. So I'm just going to push it. And we don't feel like doing high intensity, right? No, because that's and hard. It's hard, right? <laughs> and then if we do too low of intensity, we're like, oh, we're not doing anything. We're totally. not even breaking a sweat. So wow. I need to maximize, like get the most bang for the buck. So that's where most of us spend the time training because we want to, it's that time efficiency, right? Unfortunately, you don't want to spend too much time there. There is a time and a place for it, for sure, depending on the athlete, the distance, the sport. And, and I actually train a lot of athletes in, in like that zone three is very important because in some races with endurance athletes, they'll spend a lot of time in zone three, right? It doesn't mean you need to spend a lot of time there in training, but you need to spend some time there in training, just not okay. as, as much. And that's, I guess that's part of my issue with this whole polarized training. It's not all or one. It's not, you know, zone one or zone five, right? There mm -hmm. is some time to be spent in the middle, but it has to be very strategic. Okay. Following so far, Bob. But yeah. uh, so how does the nutrition come into this whole story or oh, yeah, like yeah. when we think about polarized training and some of the nuances, understanding, all right, it's, you know, it's complicated. There's a time and a place for some zone three and an individual layering in of all of that. But right. when we think of the fueling and prep for these zones, what, yeah. what is it we want to bring to well, the I table? Think, here? You know, I think you know, if you look at that, the whole 80, 20 concept, right. Cause again, that's just been so popularized these days. So I think a lot of people get it like, oh yeah, 80% of the time, low 20% of the time high. I would even think of that maybe as a 60, 20, 20, right. So maybe it is 60% lower 20% kind of in that middle, that zone three, and then, then 20% higher intensity. And again, it's going to depend on the person. And that's why I wanted to segue nutritionally it really does depend on the person's goals, right? Yeah. So, and, and I only say this because I know you and Dina and I, we both have probably, I would say the majority of our business, our nutrition coaching business is for body composition, weight loss, um, for, for whatever reason, right? Could be health, it could be aesthetics, could be performance. And, and certainly I've actually seen that coming down a little bit uh, in the past years, but not a lot, right? So think about this. If some, if an athlete is coming to us and saying, wow, I need to lose some weight, you know, I'm training for whatever ultra run, half Ironman, you know, marathon, whatever it is, like maybe a little bit longer distance. And they say, I, you know, what kind of nutrition plan should I follow? Well, I think the, and I believe this because I, you know, in working with a lot of athletes, I, I believe they come into us saying, okay, you're going to give us one nutrition plan that I follow every day. 
until I reach my goals and then we'll reassess. And I think here comes Dina back in the days, oh. right? I got to add that in every episode, right? Back in the, the days box for today. Yeah. I, I would say like even 20 years ago that, you know, as sport dietitians, we might've held that as fairly true, you know, in terms of, yeah, they could probably, you know, as long as you cover all the nutrient categories, macro, micro hydration, yeah, that probably works. But, you know, I'm not even going to say recently because it hasn't been recently, but we're starting to look at nutrition differently. And we have been to support the different training intensities uh, and durations, but specifically the intensity. So if we take this polarized training and say, okay, some like the majority is low intensity. Well, that's more aerobic energy system. That is where we are actually improving our mitochondrial capacity to burn fat, right? Mm -hmm. And it's got all these other great cardiovascular pulmonary benefits. Absolutely. And then when we take that 20% or whatever it is, higher intensity, now we're kind of shifting into the anaerobic. So we're teaching our bodies how to incorporate more fast twitch muscle fibers, improve our lactate threshold, our VO2 max, if we can. Uh, those, those things require different nutrition strategies. And I'm going to get on a soapbox and say, I think that's why Dina, a lot of athletes can't hit some of their training goals because they're eating the very like similar, or they're eating the same and they're not accounting for high or low intensity training days. Yep. You mean yeah. like the robot eating? The robot eating. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and here's the thing, like I am all, like, I know, like I like certain amount, certain foods and I can literally eat them every single day. I can like, and I'm sure you have some foods like that too, or drinks and you're like, yeah, coffee, right? Okay. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> peanut butter for me. I can eat peanut butter. I could go through a jar of peanut butter a day if I really let myself, <laughs> right. right. But, but we have those, I don't say vices. We have those habits and that's fine. And I, I'm kind of somewhat of a proponent of you know, you want a little variety, but I believe too much variety really confuses you in terms of, in the athlete, in terms of how do I put together my nutrition? So I kind of like the whole creature habit in the beginning, but there's a big, but here we have to have that creature of habit nutrition plan be accounted for their training plan, right? Okay. So the nutrition has to support the polarized training, which if, if, you know, listeners, you're, you're remembering this, if this is nutrition periodization, and that's on one of our earlier episodes that you can refer back to. And, you know, Dean and I talk all about how do you periodize your nutrition, but I think this is important because again, I think a lot of athletes are making some mistakes in their training, maybe not able to hit their goals. And I do believe partly it is nutrition related because here's the thing we need to look at nutrition differently. And I don't want to call it polarized nutrition because it's not black and white, all or none. There is very much a gradient here. Um, and that's, I think what we can kind of chat about in the next few minutes. Okay. So for newer athletes, maybe they've just hired a coach or something. I think it sounds like first step is understanding uh, how the training is being programmed, but understanding the language being used. So if yes. it is uh, you know, if you're saying zone two, you know, the goal of this is stay in zone two for this 75 minute run, yeah. for example, if you're newer to this language, really understanding what that is working with your coach to, to be clear what mm -hmm. that feels like and how you're gauging that with, with other devices, or if it is perceived effort, uh, mm -hmm. rating perceived effort. Um, and then this other part here that we're trying to convey, Bob, is, well, what do I do with my nutrition for the low intensity 
-hmm. goal sessions versus the higher intensity, uh, or maybe it's this moderate intensity that you referred to. Right. So what are the things that you see? And we can go from the mistake angle or more like the direction, right? Right. What would be the first few tips that come to mind, either starting with the low intensity, perhaps like how do we set ourselves up? Because yeah, there's a lot of confusion around that. There really is. And and let me start, you brought up such a good point. Let me just reiterate um, athletes have those conversations with your coaches because the coaches know what they're doing. They, but sometimes they just don't communicate what cycle you're in, what, what's going on. And it's, it's usually because to be honest with you, it's usually because the athletes just don't want to know. And that's fine. Right. Although I do see that changing and I do encourage athletes to at least understand the zones, right? I think that's yeah. important, right? They don't yeah. have to understand the whole periodization model, but here's where it gets a little kind of the muddy, the waters get muddy because there are different coaches use different zones, right? So in in the field of coaching zone one and zone two are always the same. It's, you know, zone one for me is like that warm up recovery, right? Zone two is all aerobic, all endurance. After that, it gets a little tricky, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes zone three is tempo. Sometimes it's not, but some coaches follow a five zone model, seven zone model. I've seen a nine zone model. So it's important, I think, and that's why I love rating a perceived exertion because it's like easy, hard, right? <laughs> yeah. So long as you're In being mind. honest with yourself, right? Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. You don't have so to be so tough. let's no, no. So qualify that first, and then now, now, kind of let's dig into the nutrition piece. So, I think the mistake that's usually well, one of the mistakes for low intensity training is you know if you're eating however you're eating, right? And all of a sudden you've got, maybe your coaches even has has you in a low intensity block, right? So maybe it's a three or six or eight week block. You're not doing hardly any intensity at all, right? You're training the body to get ready for the next stressor and it's low intensity. So are you burning calories? Yes. Um, Are you trying to teach more of your slow twitch muscle fibers to, to activate? Yes those should be more, you know, oxidative in terms of fat, right? So it doesn't mean you need to eat more fat, but what I usually see is athletes are now overeating, right? And there's a fine line. We know that Dina to the whole, we don't want to convey an under eating uh, and under fueling um, opportunity here, not at all, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times in a low intensity phase, a lot of athletes will eat too much because they think, oh, I just started training. I'm burning all these calories. And those are traditionally the ones who start gaining weight and scratching their head. Like I'm training, I'm exercising, you know, whatever, four, six days a week, but I'm, I'm gaining weight. Like, why is that? Yeah. It could be, it could be just total calories. It could be just partitioning different nutrients. Right. So a lot of times in low intensity phase, the question that I have for athletes is, do we need as many carbohydrates if you're not doing as much intensity, because intensity is more glycolytic, it's more carbohydrate burning, and thus you need more carbohydrates versus the low intensity. So if we talk, because you know how I love my ratios of carbohydrate to protein, right? Yep. Where we've got our one-to-one carb to protein, two-to-one, three-to-one. I usually I usually maintain somewhere around the one-to-one to three-to-one range. And that's those are the ones I use. I would say, again, respective of their goals, their health goals, their body goals, their, their age, their developmental process, um, their menstrual development for females. Sometimes uh, I like to do more of a one-to-one, two-to-one 
in that low intensity phase, right? So we're really trying to balance blood sugar better. We don't need as many carbohydrates, but we still need food, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then in the higher intensity phase, we want more, we want to be strategic with more of that two to one, three to one model where we're introducing more carbohydrates to fuel the body's needs for that higher intensity training. Now, here's where it gets tricky. This is the zone three nutrition, right? An athlete will stay in maybe I don't know, two to one ratio, two parts carb to one part protein in a low and in a high training phase. Well, maybe low, they might be okay. Like that might be giving them um, the nu nutrients they need, maybe too much. You never know. Like yeah. it depends on the training, on the training volume. But then during the high intensity, maybe they're not able to hit their markers. Maybe they're not able to do the objectives that their coach is asking them for. And I just actually talked to one of my athletes a couple of days ago about this. He's like, man, I just you know, coach has given me X, Y, Z goals for power on the bike. And I haven't been able to hit them. So we talked about what he was doing with the nutrition and he was, he was actually more around that two to one. And this was a male, a uh, younger male, and he wasn't able to hit the power that he wanted. And, you know, my first thing, my first thought was, well, we need to get more carbohydrates in your body to fuel those higher intensity workouts. And, yeah. you know, I, I know how it's going to work out. I'm going to check back in with them next week, but you, you know, what's going to happen, right? Dean? I mean, the, you have to periodize the nutrition, the carbs, the protein, the fat relative to this polarized training. And I think that's a big mistake that athletes are making right now. Okay. So for anyone listening that isn't you know, maybe they're newer to our podcast, the ratios yeah. that you referred to carb to protein, that's essentially like saying, if you say three to one ratio carb to protein, about three times as much mm -hmm. carb as there is protein. But mm -hmm. I'm wondering, Bob, there's the other issue of the amount. So we could think of energy density, because we could yep. still have a three to one snack before mm -hmm. a hard, high intensity session, but it ends up being 60 calories, you know, yeah. and, but it's still three to one. Um, so some carrots, you, right. Some celery, I you know, know. Yeah. or like it's a half of a small banana with right. a little nibble right. of protein. So I wonder if you, if you want to talk, share a little bit more about that angle as well, if we're thinking of high intensity prep nutrition or, you know, like, Oh, okay. I'm here and I need to pay attention to uh, you know, amount of carbohydrate or the ratio, but mm -hmm. how much should that be from a volume perspective? Does yeah, that, that makes sense. It, it does. It is. It is a tricky one. It's like, you know, mm -hmm. kind of walking that, that tightrope because the different sports, right? Mm -hmm. So you take a runner who might have a very sensitive stomach, you know, so you, you do have to watch what's in the stomach um, beforehand, what you eat beforehand, maybe versus a cyclist who can eat just about anything beforehand. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and, it, and it is, you know, those, those iron gut athletes, those are the ones we love to hate because they have great gut, you know, great digestive systems. They can eat anything before God love them. Um, that's not one I of who I am, but um, so I think we need to qualify number one, the sport, right. Yep. Um, and then two, to that point, yes, we, need enough energy. And, and I've, you know, I've worked with so many runners and those are the, those are the tough ones to, to have uh, yeah. calories coming in beforehand because yeah. they do want a light gut, right? They don't want anything moving around in there, but relative to that, we can play with the timing of, of nutrition, right? So we yeah. can back that up a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So to your point, we don't want to skimp on the calories, especially for the higher intensity sessions. So, you know, looking at that, 
if, if listeners, if you have a problem eating before a workout, just back it up 30 minutes, 60 minutes. And, and I know sometimes that's difficult to do, but you know, in the planning process, I think that's a really important thing, but yeah, relative to the ratio, you know, I'm, I'm usually again, depending on the person, like I'm looking between 20 and 60 grams of carbs right before in that pre window. And then, mm-hmm. you know, just a few grams of, of protein. Again, you can do the math if it's a two to one or a three to one, but we do need, you know, I would say, I, I hate to look at it in grams or calories, but we do need a couple hundred calories, most likely, again, depending on the athlete and in their sport, but that's probably the safe, you know, takeaway message there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah and then it'll, it'll look like, it'll look different based on, like you were saying, sensitivity of the gut, or if there are other um, mm-hmm. nuances related to the sport. So right. what would you say, Bob, then let's say we are a triathlete versus maybe ultra runner, for example. Yeah. Great I don't question. Know if I ultra would runners say... do hard, high intensity sessions. <laughs> they do. Like they're they're I'm just like hill, hill repeats for sure. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. But it's still a little bit lower intensity. Like you're not yeah. doing sprint repeats. You're just right, doing right. more consistent. Um, that said, I would ask you to qualify the distance of the triathlete. Oh, yeah. Very oh, good. Uh, Very yeah. good. Yeah. Well, we could even work within that sport, right? We've yeah. got our, our, uh, sprint versus our Ironman. Yeah. So that changes everything, doesn't yeah. it? Cause sprint, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, you should be doing a little bit more high intensity mm-hmm. training. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And Ironman, you know, obviously taking pros out of it, uh, just us, us normal age group recreational, if you're doing Ironman, you're not going to have as much intensity. And interestingly enough, those Ironman athletes are going to be spending a lot more time in their tempo zone versus their high intensity zone. Oh, interesting. Mm, right. Yes. Whereas the sprint triathlete, like the sprint triathlete or even Olympic distance, they'll, they'll probably subscribe more to that whole 80, 20 thing. Right. Yeah. For sure. Most yeah. of the time is low, sometime high, but Ironman is a different animal because so much time in that race is spent in tempo zone. You actually need mm-hmm. to train your body, not all the time, but a little bit of the time. I feel like there are people biting their nails right now because like, wait a minute. I've heard from some coaches that, you don't yeah. you don't ever spend time in this yeah. tempo zone, yeah. but Bob seeing earlier in this recording, like what you do spend yeah. a little bit of time and how does this work? Yeah. Um, what, I don't know, Bob, what would you say? Or do you, would you need to hear what the, what the pushback is? Yeah. Like, I don't, you don't, you never need to spend time in zone yeah. three. It's well, a waste of time. I look at that, how I look at nutrition and quote unquote diet books. So Dina, you, you know, we, we've written a few books together and in the few, the first couple books I wrote nutrition periodization for athletes, right? Metabolic efficiency training. There's no diet in there. And that was on purpose, right? So <clears throat> here's where I'm going with this whole analogy in the nutrition world. We know when there's diet on something, right away as dietitians, I mean, I'm thinking restriction, elimination, not long-term behavior change, um, possibly setting up for energy restrictions, maybe reds, um, you know, some, some issues that are, that may be happening when I hear, cause it's to me like diet is black and white, right? They're teach, trying to teach it's either our way or no way. Right. When I hear this polarized training, you shouldn't be in this zone and you should be, you know, it's, it's kind of like the the, kind of like the word diet scratches me. That's just like, hmm. 
because there's so many, we know all of us are built differently, right? We respond differently. I know personally, um, even though I do long endurance stuff, I am more of a fast twitch guy. Like Mm. I I can't go fast long, but I can Mm -hmm. go fast short, right? Mm -hmm. There is a time and a place to go through all different zones, right? Because you do actually need to train both energy systems at the same time, just not a lot, right? So like I said earlier, maybe instead of the 80-20, you know, aerobic or low intensity, high intensity, maybe it is the 60-20-20. But here's the thing, Dina, there's not a magic number. And that's why I like, I love hearing this whole 80-20 thing, because I'm like, that's, there's nothing magic about it, right? Maybe it's 80-10-5. Maybe it's, (laughs) you know what I mean? Well, that's what I always wondered. Yeah. Yeah, Like, is my coach actually, okay. Today, this week she did 12 and a half hours, (laughs) 84.3% was in zone two. And then we have 11 point whatever percent. Yeah, It's not that. Yeah. No, no. Now what I will say, there are some very educated coaches out there who know what they're doing. Uh, they don't do that, Dina. Mm-hmm. Okay. They, okay. they don't figure that out to the minutest detail. They know it, right. They know well, like when aerobic uh, energy system needs to be trained and they, they know that predominantly that will be trained, but they also know when to splash in that middle zone, that zone three, and then the high intensity zones. Okay. Um, like I said, not every athlete. So, so again, if, if I were to say, oh no, Dina, I think everybody should be doing zone three's tempo training that would be wrong. That would be very wrong of me. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that's my problem I'm having with people in, nowadays is, is they are, it's very black and white, very matter of fact, and it's not right. It's okay. very specific to the athletes, their, their goals, even their fitness level, the sports they've come from, right. That's, I think another thing in, not to get on a soapbox, but you know, if they've come from more of a fast twitch muscle fiber, engaging sport versus a slower twitch, you know, if they've ran cross country track or maybe just cross country in high school or college versus playing soccer, or if they were a wrestler or gymnast or something like that's going to change my approach to training them for whatever thing they do next. That makes right? sense. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and here's a great example. I, you know, I work with gymnasts and uh, there's a gymnast I work with who's rotating off of her gymnastics career and she's moving into endurance sports. Like she's doing a, she's doing a longer mountain biking race. So we chatted a little bit about training and nutrition and, and it is that she is so like, as we know, z- gymnasts are so high intensity most of the time. And so we've needed to kind of develop obviously her aerobic, but we don't want to discount that zone three because it will actually be very important for her to be successful. Now, again, bottom line here, I do believe from a coaching and training perspective, there is some efficacy in spending a little bit of time in zone three, depending on the time of the year, right? Obviously in the goals and the sport, Um, I don't think it should be too much time, but I don't want anybody to discount that just like, you know, nutritionally, I don't want them to discount something like a miss, right? So Mm -hmm. to qualify that, you know, we encourage misses, uh, which could be foods like whatever potato chips or cookies. And, you know, we, we want to minimize the misses, but I don't want an athlete to say, oh, I can't do that. I shouldn't Mm -hmm. do that. You know, I'm, I trained in zone three. Now I'm I'm a bad person. You know what I mean? So there are a lot of similarities between that and nutrition. Yep. Okay, Bob. So if we start to pull all of these things together, one mm-hmm. of the things coming out, okay, is understanding what kind of training sessions we've got yes. within our schedule, how it's maybe programmed 
on a smaller scale, yep. like week to week or with I would actually look at look at that, right? And mm-hmm. then look at more microcycle, which I call it, and look at every mm-hmm. single day. So yep. you know, you could I'm a very visual person. So I like writing it down on a piece of paper. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way through Sunday. And this is just to give you a glimpse. When I work with an athlete, Dina, this is what I ask them. I say, what train, you know, I write down the days of the week on a piece of paper. And I say, tell me what training you do each day. Oh, on Monday, I swim for 45 minutes. On Tuesday, I have my long run. On Wednesday is my rest day, whatever. If you can partition your week like that, then you can understand where this whole polarized training is coming into your training program, right? So maybe on four days of the week, you do have mostly low intensity training mm-hmm. and maybe two days of the week or two sessions are, are high intensity. Maybe one session is right in the middle. So once you can kind of see that on paper, or if you use like an online training software or whatever, you can see that developing, then you understand, or you start to understand how nutrition plays into this. Yep. And then, so once we've got some more of that understanding, it's looking at how we're fueling Yes. for those sessions. And so what we're trying to say is we don't need to be, we should, should I say shouldn't <laughs> it, yeah. it serves us better to fuel appropriately for, for the higher intensity sessions versus the lower intensity, meaning we're not necessarily eating the same exact thing, same exact amount yes. for all sessions. Yes. We can exactly. get more of the training adaptations that we're seeking if we periodize that nutrition in line with what the session is bringing to us. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, good real life example. I told you in the beginning of this episode that I've been spending a little more time in the dirt, like on two wheels and Mm -hmm. on my mountain bike. Right. So I have certain days where I go and maybe it's an hour and a half, you know, I I haven't been doing too much longer than an hour and a half or two hours, but I choose different courses. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I choose different intensities, even on the same course. Mm -hmm. So I might say like yesterday was a, you know, it's just more of an aerobic day. Knowing that first, I was able to structure my nutrition, knowing that, okay, I'm going to be 90 minutes on the trail, but I'm going to keep it low intensity. I'm going to use my gears today. I'm going to keep it low intensity. I have no nutrition with me. I have some water. That's it. Right. I was able to structure a breakfast. Um, and I had, you know, yesterday, cause I did it more in the, in the mid morning, uh, my breakfast was more like eggs and veggies, right? So I had some scrambled eggs and some veggies because I knew I didn't need as many carbohydrates for that low intensity session. Mm-hmm. Today, I'm going to do the same exact course, but all the hills, I'm going to actually push a little bit, right? So my breakfast this morning, I changed to my oatmeal concoction, which we've talked about on previous episodes, right? Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm talking about in the, in the confines. As long as you know what type of session you're approaching for that day or next week or whatever, you can then start to mix and, and, and match your nutrients yeah. that are going in your body. Okay. I think this is a good thinking experiment for all the listeners, for those who haven't been paying attention to these details. I mean, it's never too late, right? So uh, one thing that, that I suggest, I think you do too, Bob, for people who, you know, they're not working directly with us, but uh, starting to note what it is you are fueling with and when Mm -hmm. tying it to the type of training session. So that in this context, is it, you know, the low or the high, or maybe it's that moderate zone Mm -hmm. and starting to just track some data over the next few weeks and see what you're noticing, uh, and can play with those ratios, right? So if you are 
you know, not doing much for your high intensity sessions, then bringing in more carbohydrates around those sessions or beforehand, at least, and then uh, seeing what, what that's doing for you, um, gauging your trends. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would say if you're working with a coach, <clears throat> have those discussions. Like you do want to understand, you don't have to understand everything that he or she is doing, but understand at least what they're asking you to do for the next week. Like what, yeah. you know, maybe you star, Ooh, those are the sessions coach really wants me to try to hit, right? Like mm-hmm. high quality. And, and those are the sessions where I'm going to chill a little bit. That's more aerobic, like have that conversation. And even more importantly, here's my coaching hat on if you do use an online software to track your training or coaches uses that, make sure that you're, you're monitoring, just like Dina, just like you said, make sure you're writing notes in your log, how you felt, maybe even do a daily nutrition log in there. So you can, you and your coach can start looking at what did you do? Maybe the morning of, but maybe the day before, two days yeah. before to set yourself up for that training session. Cause yeah. then a lot of times, I mean, that's what you and I look at when we work with athletes, right? Mm-hmm. So we love to have that data. Um, so if you start there, you can actually have a lot of data to work with in terms of just understanding your body better and right. just understanding what it needs and maybe what it doesn't need on certain yeah. days. Are there other mistakes that are coming to mind, Bob, that you've seen from other athletes that um, think they're doing what we're saying, but maybe not. You know, I think a lot of mistakes are taking it to the nth degree. Mm. Uh, and the, the first thing that comes into my mind is fasted workouts. Yeah. I mean, it. I just have to pick on that a little bit. And is there a time and a place for that? Hmm. That might be another episode. Yeah, that's different. But or another but episode. Yeah. It is, it is. But I'm sure some athletes are listening to us and they're like, oh, I have a, you know, tomorrow morning I have a 45 minute easy run at 6 a.m. I'm just, I'm just not gonna eat anything before. You know, they're gonna jump to that. Oh, I should just eat nothing. Mm-hmm. That's that's a big mistake because we do want to look in the context of everything else in your life. Like, do you have high cortisol? Are you male? Are you female? Where are you at in your training cycle? Do you have body weight goals? What's your health like? You know, so please listeners don't jump to that, like making that mistake of, of going all in and saying, yep. oh, fasted workouts every day that I don't have intensity. Cause that's what I don't, I don't want the message to be that. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. No. Um, the other thing I think a lot of athletes, a mistake they make is they, they overconsume during workouts sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, again, yeah. it depends on the workout and everything, but um, you know, it's like having a grocery store on your back sometimes. And, you know, with all the stuff you're carrying. And I just want to say that you can actually make a lot of good inroads in the meals or snacks that you eat prior to some workouts that will minimize you needing to carry a lot of calories. Now, yeah. obviously I'm not talking about if you're out there for six hours or something, obviously you need right. calories, but you know, our 90 minute workout, uh, do you really need a lot? You might, if it's like a hard track workout or something, but I would maybe look at what you're doing beforehand. Agreed. Agreed. And similarly, just to add one thing for the higher intensity sessions, even though we're supporting and trying to advocate for a higher carbohydrate to protein ratio, Mm -hmm. there are some that don't do anything but simple sugar and quite Mm. a bit. So it could be 300 calorie, you know, simple sugar with nothing else beforehand. I'm not sure that is the best for all athletes either. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. I definitely agree with you for sure. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So those are some of the, the lower end mistakes that I see being made. And I mean, really the biggest mistake is just not understanding what your focus is for that particular training session. 
Okay. And I think it's the biggest thing. Like, do you know what zone or if it's lower high intensity or are you just going out because you have 45 minutes and you're going to nail it and you're going to try to get that workout in without understanding what you're trying to do for that workout. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, again, that's the zone three. That's kind of the uncomfortable, comfortable where you're like, ah, I don't know if I should be here, but I don't have a lot of time. So I'm just going to push, but I'm not going to do high intensity. Yeah. Okay. Any, any high level recap you want to do, Bob? Uh, You know, I think the biggest thing is don't believe the hype right? Um, polarized training is a thing. It has been a thing for many, many moons. Um, there's not a specific percentage that is right for every athlete relative to how much you should spend or how much time you should spend low intensity versus high intensity. That does differ a little bit. It's okay to, to do a little bit in the middle, um, very strategically, you know, hopefully under the guidance of, of a professional coach, because they, they know what they're doing. Um, that would be kind of my high intensity or my high level from a training perspective, from nutrition, really it's taking a step back and giving yourself permission to adjust your ratios. Please give yourself permission, right? Yeah. For, for many different reasons. (laughs) Yes. And then monitor, Monitor. track the deets and uh, monitor, see how it's going and, and being willing to adjust instead of staying stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And, And, you know, I guess, just out of frustration and in, in kind of what we do as, as, as our career too, Dean, and, you know, give yourself a little bit of leeway, like don't bang yourself up so much and, mm-hmm. you know, think you're a bad person because something's not working or you didn't hit a workout or, you know, maybe you ate something you didn't want to eat that day. Like, it's okay. Like just yeah. move on, you know, move on yeah. tomorrow's another day. And it's another eating day. It's another training day. You know, don't, right. don't dwell on the past. Right. Yeah. Okay, I think that's a good, um... good message to leave with. All right. Well, this has been really helpful and hopefully you listeners got some good nuggets to take with you as you go forward in your training. And Bob, any other closing comments? Hmm. I would say this. I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners will have a lot of questions based on that. Yeah. I would love to hear those questions. Wouldn't you, Dina? Yeah. So maybe, maybe listeners just shoot us an email. Hello at inside nutrition.com would love to answer your questions uh, on a future episode. Right. So mm-hmm. this would be fantastic. Cause I know, cause there is a lot of confusion around this specific topic. So yeah. please just, you know, shoot us a, shoot us an email. We'd love to, to kind of cover a little bit more in depth and give you your questions answered, your personal questions answered in a future one. Sounds good. Well, cool, Bob. Thank you so much for this. Super. And listeners, thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we look forward to having you tuning in in an upcoming show. Thank you so much. Thanks again for tuning in to the Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast. We hope you enjoyed that episode. Stay tuned for next week when we have another special guest, our friend and fellow sport dietitian colleague, Tavis Piatoli. He's going to join us to talk about a novel liquid fuel product. And yes, that's the name, liquid fuel. It contains a very novel kind of carbohydrate that I'm guessing you've never heard of. So you'll want to tune in to learn about this carbohydrate and how it may really help you or someone you know. 
As a reminder, we would love your support in promoting this podcast. So if you can give us a rating, a review, or a follow, a subscribe over on your podcast platform of choice, that would be so awesome. It does help us grow and share our content with other listeners like you around the world. Greatly appreciate that. For more info on the nutrition coaching and testing services that Bob and I offer, you can look us up over on the web energyperformance.com to find Bob and his team or myself, Dina, nutritionmechanic.com and check out the services that we have for you. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the hosts and the guests involved and do not represent a replacement for medical consultation with your doctor. The information and opinions provided here are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or medical condition. This podcast is for information, education, and entertainment purposes only.